Welcome to Life Tips, the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun on the web and around the world. Life Tips President Byron White talks to the latest trendsetters about strategies to grow your business. Now, please welcome this week's Life Tips host, Byron White. Welcome, everyone, to the show today and our friends over at Webmaster Radio. I had a chance to run into Brandy that was running around like a chicken with her head cut off over at AdTech this week. Quick recap of AdTech. Very big, crazy busy show. Never seen so much traffic at AdTech. This week, we debuted our funky new booth that was designed by the Italian stallion Guido, um, a brilliant uh, creative director that we've been working with here in the last month or so. Um, for any of you that saw our booth at the show, I'm, I'm sure you'll remember it. It was a funky fabric-like cloth pattern with an amazing design on it. And we made our debut for a new company that we just launched as well called Idealaunch.com, which focuses on multivariant testing and landing page uh, content uh, and graphic uh, creative development. It's very exciting. Matter of fact, you can go to Idealaunch.com and you can see four variations of the actual website that we're testing um, on an ongoing perpetual basis. And we rolled out Idea Launch, which was very exciting. The reception was great. Uh, we're sort of extending our content uh, design and development uh, world over here at LifeTips into Idea Launch because uh, we have a lot of our clients that really want to access the skill and proficiency of, of our, uh, the, some of our many freelance writers we represent in the, in the space that they're experts in. And Idea Launch will allow us to, to tiptoe our way into the multivariant testing world to really test the conversions of a variety of content we create in, in a live format. So it's very exciting. We'll look forward to giving you more updates on that. Is Jennifer on yet by chance? Yeah. Great. Hello. Jennifer. How are you? Welcome to the Life Tips Radio Show with all of our friends over at Webmaster Radio as well. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, Jennifer, um, tell us a little bit about your illustrious background, mm -hmm. um, including uh, the 101 student loan uh, tip book that you wrote, which is a, which is a, a, an interesting topic in itself. Mm -hmm. Sure. No, I. Um, uh, I've been in education for well over 12 years now um, and actually started out putting myself through grad school uh, as a advisor for other students uh, in the financial aid department at my college. So learned a lot about the ins and outs of financial aid there. Uh, now I'm in, in administration uh, at, a at a college and I have my uh, uh, doctorate from the University of Illinois and in education, and I have a master's and bachelor's degrees uh, in business and in uh, mass communications from Illinois State University. And just in this past year, wrote the 101 student loan tips and uh, had a fun time doing it. <laughs> and and it's uh, uh, really has some really interesting tips that we'll talk about in a little in a little bit. I was looking over your uh, your some of your credentials and mm -hmm. was. Uh, couldn't help but pick up, pick up on your topic for the dissertation that you wrote called The Predators of Student Success in Online Education. Predictors. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> what are yes. the predictors, I should predictors, say? Predictors, yes. <laughs> yeah, predators, yes. So that's yeah. how I read it. Predictors, um, rather, sure. um, mm -hmm. in student loan success. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your work there with online education. Sure. Um, and and what's going on there? It's a, of course a very hot topic. What are your thoughts on it? Tell us a little bit about how you came about your dissertation and and and, and perhaps the summary of it. 
Sure. Well, uh, probably about uh, 11, 12 years ago, I got into online uh, teaching, and it was very new at the time. Uh, And um, so we were really learning as we went along. Um, that that prompted me, as I was working on my doctorate degree, to write a dissertation on online learning. I wanted to know, um, as an educator, how do we create a course that's going to make, um, that's going to help students be successful. And so I did my study, and I looked at several different things. I looked at the different demographics of the students, um, I looked at the previous grades that they'd received uh, and the grade they were getting in the course they took, um, looked at different attitude um, items and different uh, behavioral items to try and say, okay, what's going to make that perfect student? And what I, what I really found was that the students who are more likely to be successful are those who are older, coming back to school. Uh, they do best in an online class. Um, obviously, you have to have a lot of uh, self-discipline and motivation to be able to do well since you're, as a student, doing more on your own. Um, and these are people who really have a sense of um, they have control over their own lives. Uh, so those those people tend to be more successful. And then, you know, over time, what I've learned in teaching online is that students also do better when they interact uh, more frequently in the class, you know, there may not be these uh, regular class sessions, but they still you know, participate in discussions and and uh, answer questions from their teacher. And those are the ones who are going to stick it out and usually do uh, uh, better in the class is when those types of activities are involved. Hmm. Would it also follow that the passive student online is typically not as engaged and likely to reap benefit from the program? Yes. Yeah. Um and I and I will say, you know, one of the things that that I think is great about online learning is that uh, a student who is passive in a regular class isn't as likely to be passive in an online class. Um because um they're not it, you don't have the the facial expressions from other people in the class. You you often find that um, others feel more comfortable uh, talking and and getting involved. Mm-hmm. What is your overall take on online education as as a general subject? Do you think it has a a foothold in 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 our culture and our education system? Definitely, uh, definitely. I think uh, when Schools and universities and colleges are are going through an accreditation process, which uh, is, is something that they do on a regular basis to guarantee their programs are quality. Uh, you see that the um, people who come in to do those uh, evaluations are even starting to emphasize the need for more online in the colleges and universities. That they're they're helping to push schools along. Uh, so. It's definitely taken a foothold. You see more um, students wanting to take classes online, and it, it's partially because there are uh, the benefits of being able to do your homework at, say, 3 in the morning instead of you know, coming mm-hmm. to class at 8 o'clock every morning uh, mm-hmm. three days a week or something. So mm-hmm. it's definitely uh, something that's going to grow. And how about the hybrid um, opportunity to... Mm-hmm. 
um, to both participate online and offline in the mm-hmm. actual class that you're that you're in. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing more of that in, in general? Yes. You know, I I think that for those students who don't do well in a completely online class, uh, there are uh, the hybrid options, which are probably the better way for those people to go. And a lot of schools are starting to recognize that and adding more hybrid classes so that they can get um, all of the students. And and with the, the... the 18-year-old students, those coming straight from high school, they're in um, a position where they're used to the Internet. They're mm-hmm. used to all of the electronics that are out there. So mm-hmm. when they um, come into an online class, they're very comfortable with it. And so mm-hmm. doing something like a, a hybrid for them is a good way to to engage them in the, the whole learning process. What about the 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 concept of um of of the 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 academic perspective the professor's perspective let's say on learning about his student base by watching them interact online mm-hmm. is, is there something happening there as well and and is there something in a negative way perhaps discrimination mm-hmm. um that could in fact happen with students that might not be as is you know able to type as quickly or mm-hmm. come up with the, the the bright questions or the interesting input into a, more of an uh, interactive learning opportunity is there mm-hmm. anything interesting there from the academic perspective is it helping right. professors well, or or is it causing more noise and more ways that you have to evaluate a student? You know, in some ways it does create more ways that uh, the instructor is going to have to uh, evaluate the student because uh, they can't see those face-to-face interactions and they are dependent on what's written. So it's going to take uh, more time. Uh, But, you know, as far as discrimination... I think most instructors, after they've taught online at least one time, usually pick up on some things that they need to add. Maybe you have to set those parameters, those those guidelines, so that uh, students understand what's appropriate, how to respond to one another to avoid some of that discrimination. But sure, you do find some, some cases where if a student's a slacker and it doesn't want to participate and maybe this instructor is making them do a group project with other students and it's all online, the other students may get upset with them, and, and you may see a little bit of that out there. Um, so for an instructor, it creates a new set of problems that maybe they wouldn't have in a regular class. Just a couple more questions related to to online education, and then we'll take a break and, and come back with some student loan questions okay. for you. Um, mm-hmm. But um, is there are there any actual online education um, programs that you yourself recommend or feel are particularly strong for particular uh, focused areas? You know, there's um, there are a lot of different programs that are out there. Um, some good schools that have programs that that you can find for undergraduate or graduate. Um, you know, you can look at the Franklin University, which offers um, good completer programs for students who 
finish a degree at a community college and want to go on to a university. Um, there's DeVry University, which has a big online component for uh, undergraduate, and then they have the whole Keller uh, Graduate School of Business. So they have great programs for online. And uh, then there's a lot of your public universities. Um, you know, I'm in the state of Illinois, so I'm a little biased, and I look at the University of Illinois, uh, mm-hmm. who is creating this whole global university. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking at taking online uh, learning even further than they already have and offering, uh, you know, I guess uh, from what I've heard, you know, most of their degrees are going to be offered in some type of online format or many of their degrees. So um, those are a few of the ones out there that are good ones that, you know, I, I think students, you know, can look at and, and feel confident that they're good programs. Do you feel that most of the universities in the country will eventually have online programs and offer a la carte course work uh, and, and classwork opportunity? I think it's slowly happening, especially at the university level. Um, I know that there are uh, professors professors who are concerned about teaching in that format. They prefer the face-to-face format. So that uh, creates some issues as far as universities growing. Uh, but I think when big ones like the University of Illinois start getting into that market and, and going full force, uh, that's going to help uh, encourage other universities to also go in that direction. Mm-hmm. So now, eventually there will be a lot yeah. more. There's always pressure on professors to publish books, of course. That has been mm-hmm. a traditional landmark for success and, and, and fame and uh, intellectual capacity, shall we say. Mm-hmm. But do you think that there might be something interesting happening here with regards to um, professors that teach online classes that are extremely popular, that are taken by a large number of people, mm-hmm. that really uh, have fans and followers. Is there some potential here for for the art of teaching to become, uh, the, the art of teaching online to become part of the forefront of, of evaluating success in a professor's life? It depends on the institution. Your traditional research university probably isn't going to change a whole lot. Uh, your uh, liberal arts college, your uh, community college, um, those institutions may take that into consideration. Uh, but uh, what you think of as your t- traditional research university or your Harvard University or any of the Ivy Leagues, they're probably not going to change a whole lot. They're, they're mm-hmm. still going to emphasize the research for mm-hmm. probably a while to come. Right. Well, let's take a break. When we're back, we'll dive into the student loan hot topic. Okay. Life Tips on WebmasterRadio.fm. We'll be back with more cool tips and advice right after these commercial messages. Hey, what are you reading? Revenue Magazine. It keeps me up to date on everything in performance marketing. Yeah? 
I get all my information online. I don't see a computer next to your boogie board there. Well, I've got a regular magazine here. Revenue Magazine is the only hard copy magazine that covers affiliate marketing techniques, search technologies, online fraud prevention, and interactive advertising, branding, and marketing. My magazine's got pictures. Revenue Magazine has everything for online marketers, affiliates, merchants, agencies, and networks. And you can read previous issues, blogs, and more at RevenueToday.com. Mine's got a centerfold. Revenue Magazine, the performance marketing standard. For more information, go to RevenueToday.com. Dude, fishing in Costa Rica is going to be awesome. Amen, bro. Now that Value Click Media had netted Fast Click, we've got one of the largest online advertising networks fishing us for big bucks. You know, while we're out catching snapper. Hey, Steve, you're coming too, right? No, I'm still using BenAzRUs.com. I can't afford to be away. You've got to work with Value Click Media. I've got this great account manager who's easy to work with, and they have access to the best advertisers and earn me high rates. Don't worry. We'll bring back pictures. Yeah, terrific. Visit Value Click Media now and click on Solutions for Publishers for more details value click media faster than a speeding bullet it's the super way to pay it's fast transact fast transact is the safe secure and fast way to process credit cards online checks and gift cards find multiple payment gateway and merchant account options to keep your costs down and sales up up and away you can build your business empire in a single bound while fast transact fights the never-ending battle to keep payment processing safe and secure your quest for an e-commerce solution has found its final destination. Fly over to FastTransact.com today. This is Rainmaker. How did you get into this? You didn't just wake up one morning and go, I want to become a club passer. I learned when I was about 13 and learned how to juggle three balls and just thought, this is the greatest thing. He's so I don't know, age 13 and juggling balls. It's uh... everything. I don't know about it. I'm growing up. <laughs> She's killing me here. Rainmaker. Live broadcast Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the Entertainment Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Peggy Conlon, President and CEO of the Ad Council. What are your hopes for its growth and future? Seeing already, you know, a shift over to the Internet. In the last 12 months, we've had almost a half a million uh, YouTube views of our campaign. We're working with all of the great folks in the agency business that are mastering how you make a campaign interactive and relevant. It's not going to be a cookie-cutter approach. It's going to be different depending on the issue and depending on who the target audience is. The Hook. Live broadcast Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. 11 a.m. Pacific or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel only on webmasterradio.fm and now back to life tips the show that offers expert tips and savvy advice to make life easier and more fun only on webmasterradio.fm now here's your host Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Jennifer Mathis, a student loan expert guru at Life Tips, and we want to dive into some questions from her fabulous book, 101 Student Loan Tips, available at Amazon and every major bookstore, uh, published by Life Tips. Um, welcome back. Thank you. So let's dive into some interesting questions on student loans. Um, mm-hmm. First, my first question for you is deferment of student loans. Tell us a little bit about the deferment opportunities that do actually exist for many student loans and what the rules are and whether it's something that people uh, understand and, and can access. Sure. You know, I don't think a lot of people really understand the whole deferment process uh, because they 
often don't apply. But when a student is, or when a person is repaying their student loan, uh, if something changes, uh, they go back to school or um, you know something else occurs, they can actually contact uh, their student loan provider if it's you know a certain type of student loan and request that it be deferred. Uh, the deferment period is determined, you know, if they're a student based on how long it's expected that uh, they'll still be in school. And um, often, if they have a certain type of loan, a subsidized loan, the interest does not accrue during that period and they're not making a payment. Uh, so if, if somebody decides to go back and get a master's degree, uh, this is a, a great thing for them because it can save them money that they can then spend on uh, their extra degree. Hmm. Um, Do you, there's so many great tips in your book, and, and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm studying some of them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any really favorite, that was one of my favorites, by the way. Do you uh-huh. have any really interesting favorite tips like that um, that, 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 that are really some of your favorites? And you've, you've also worked as a financial advisor, you know, mm-hmm. to students while you were paying for your own student education. Right. Um, so what what have been some of the really jaw-droppers, like, wow, I didn't know that. I wish, thank you for telling me that sort of tips and advice. Right. You know, some of the things that I didn't know about that I think were great things that I found out about later had to do with student loan consolidation uh-huh. uh, and how that whole process works that, um, you know, for one thing, if you've got um, a number of student loans you can consolidate them uh, into one payment rather than making, you know, two or three or four or whatever. Uh, you can uh, set it up so that all the payments are on the, the same day of the month, um, you know, so you don't have that problem. Uh, but another thing that I found interesting when um, I was dealing with consolidation and that I didn't know is that it's not always a good thing to consolidate student loans. Uh, For example, if somebody gets a Perkins loan, there are uh, special things uh, related to a Perkins loan. For instance, sometimes they can be forgiven if you do volunteer work or something. Uh If you consolidate, you lose those benefits. Uh, So I think that was one of the the neat things that uh, I found out about financial aid and student loan that I I think is good to know. How many grants are really... Uh, doled out, if you will, to students in the course of the year. How many millions or billions are we talking about here, and how hard is it to apply for a grant, either on a state or a federal level? You know, I I don't know that I could quote an actual amount on how much is uh, actually given out because there are a number of private grants that colleges Uh and universities uh, give out themselves. Um, And as far as how hard it is to apply, in most cases, a student just has to complete the, the FAFSA, which is that free application for student aid, uh, which is an online form, easy to do. Uh, so, you know, listening to someone complain about how hard it, it is, it really isn't. Uh, so all they have to do is complete that FAFSA. It goes back to their school, and then their school can determine what grants they may qualify for, you know, and, and usually that's a need-based thing. So Pell, um, you know, the, the student opportunity grants, student-to-student grants, uh, and then individual grants from colleges uh, may be available you know, and uh, really aren't, aren't difficult to apply for at all. Uh-huh. 
Is there one site that you recommend that might list all of the grants, um, opportunities? I mean, I, your book is actually great. You've got at least 20 or so tips in that topic area, mm-hmm. and there's some great sites. But is there a website that that is that is handy in your disposal now to point people to with regards to grant applications? Actually, I would say that the best place for anyone to go is the universities that they are applying to. Right. And so I wouldn't you know, mention another one. I would say um, that if they go to their university website, there is often a link to grants that may be specific to that in, that college. Uh, and so I would always tell someone to go there first and to see what's there. They also may find information on scholarships and um, different private loans if they need it uh, to help them find a way to pay for their whole college education. Now, there's there's some scandal that's happened in the student loan industry, and there's, a, there's of course, always lots of scam operations. Mm-hmm. Can you comment on, on any of the scams and or uh, disruptive things that have happened in the student loan industry, shall we say? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, on scams, there are a lot of scams out there that I see where uh, companies will claim to uh, complete the FAFSA form for a parent, a student, for a fee. Um, and, you know, it may be a few hundred dollars or more that they're, they're going to charge. Um, well, th- th- that whole form is free. So having someone else do it is is really not worth the money, uh, uh-huh. and they may claim that you know if you have if you go through them they guarantee that there's going to be money available for that student to go to school, uh-huh. and that again is not always true. Your uh-huh. um, financial aid that you can get for to go to college is going to depend on uh, the family's income and the assets they have, the liabilities they have, uh, how many students are in school, so. Any website that makes a guarantee that you're going to get um, student grants, scholarships, student loans isn't someone that should be trusted. Uh, And really, any site like that that's charging a fee to do something that really is free just isn't worth the money. So that's a scam that that is seen often. Now, as far as the student loan scandal, um, my response to that was that is that there are are some unethical people out there who have taken money from uh, financial institutions in order to send business their way. So basically they got kickbacks. Um, There are some people who had some of their investment portfolio with uh, banks that did or institutions that did student loans, and here they were in the uh, financial aid business. And so it was just a matter of people not being ethical, taking advantage of um, students who were trusting them to steer them in the right direction. Uh-huh. I think it's rare. You know, I don't think that uh-huh. you know, most people have done something like this. And I don't think that students or parents have to worry about this really being a problem because um, most institutions are doing audits to make sure that their people are uh, ethical in doing what they should be doing. But, you know, it's like any industry. You're going to have a few people who who screw up and do those things. Mm-hmm. Is your general sense that the problems have been cleaned up and 
in, you know, in the industry and particularly where universities were recommending particular banks and or lending institutions, um, knowing that there were higher interest rates being charged for those particular loans. Right. That was basically the net of the scandal, as I recall. Right, right. So and the problem's I, been cleaned up and our, and our universities now saying, you know, here are five institutions that you could look at and shop around for competitive pricing. <laughs> right. Well, I, I think in most cases they've learned their lesson. Yeah. For a university not to do that um, it can jeopardize their ability to give students uh, financial aid in the future. And yep. they don't want that because that's going to affect their enrollment and they'll be closing their doors in a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the most part, I I think that the universities are, are addressing this themselves. I think there will be more rules coming down over time uh, mm-hmm. to deal with this, but a lot of it is cleared up and and they're getting it out of now, there. Our interest rate, what are the interest rates for student loans typically, and when does the payment plan need to kick in, and how does it vary from from loan to loan? These are basic questions, I'm sure, but they're questions that I don't have the answer for, so I'd love to just learn a little bit more about where things are in today's date. Well, the interest rates can vary depending on the kind of loan. Uh, If it's a government-backed loan, um, for instance, you may have a a 5% rate on a Perkins loan, and the rates on the um, Stafford loans or the the guaranteed student loans are going to vary uh, based on current interest rates. So they can change Um, as far as the... Are they always variable, or can you lock into a fixed-rate mortgage or fixed rate student loan rate for the life of the student loan? It depends on the type of loan. Uh, And, you know, I want to get into, um, real quick mention that the the, uh, private loans out there are going to be even higher than what you can find with a um, uh, government-backed loan. So if it's guaranteed by the loan, by, by the government, you're going to find uh, a lower interest loan, and you're going to find that um, the benefits, the options that they offer are better. Um, for instance, uh, with a guaranteed uh, loan from the government, they have better repayment options. Um, anywhere from 10 to uh, 30 years can be the repayment, uh, and it can be based on income as well as um, setting it up so that uh, it, they have a graduated repayment plan so that over 30 years, the payments can start out low and then increase. And they set that up assuming that over time your, in- your income is going to increase as well. Uh-huh. Um, you had also asked about the grace period on loans, and, and I'll mention real quick on that. Um, the grace period also depends on the type of loan that a uh, student has. If they have the um, federal Stafford loan, for instance, um, once they're out of school, doesn't matter if you've graduated or you dropped out, once you're out of school, after six months, uh, repayment begins on the Stafford loan. And for the Perkins loan, they have up till nine months, and then they have to start making that repayment. Um, There's also the PLUS loan, which is for um, parents, and that is a loan that does not have a grace period. Uh, it is one where as soon as 
that money is dispersed to the student, um, they start charging interest, and within 60 days they have to start making payments. Hmm. Does the interest rate vary according to your family or your parents or your own financial credentials? For a private loan, yes, it does. Um, That is not the case for uh, a guaranteed uh, government-backed loan because they do not check your credit history. Uh, They are... But the interest rate might be higher, right? For a private loan, yes. Mm -hmm. For a private loan, you know, they're going to be doing the credit check, and it's just like any other loan you get, um, you know, car loan. If you've got bad credit, um, you may be looking at a higher interest rate. I can, however, get a private loan that is guaranteed by the government, correct? You can. There's a couple of different types of um, guarantee, or loans that are backed by the government. There is the direct loan, and there is the FFEL, which is the Federal Family Education Loan. Uh-huh. And the FFEL Stafford loans are made through private lenders, but still guaranteed by the government. And in this case, you still don't have to undergo a credit check. It's just that it's uh, the money is being provided to you through that private lender. Hmm. Well, this has been a fascinating exercise here and one that I think we should turn our interested listeners over to your book tours because there's just so good, so much great information here. It is really technical. In summary, though, is it in the end of the day, how many hours do you think you need to put into researching you know, and applying for and finally receiving a guaranteed student loan? And how, when should you be starting that process, say, if you're entering college you know, next year? If you're entering college next year, start the process for scholarships. Um, you should be starting that now, or you should have already started it, uh, because there's a lot of scholarships that have deadlines in the fall. Uh, But for other um, student loans and for grants, start the process in um, early January. Even if you don't have your uh, tax information, um, you haven't filed your taxes for the year, you can file the FAFSA, you can complete it, and use estimated information yourself, to be honest, because, you know, if you're way off and they find out later, you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to keep that money. Uh, but um, you can start in January. It's probably going to take you, depending on if this is the first time you've done the FAFSA or not, maybe a, a couple of hours uh, to complete that application and get it submitted and then get the information back. And as far as doing research on the loans, um, find out what university you're going to, find out what um, types of loans that they offer, and really make sure you understand them so that when you get your letter from the school telling you about the financial aid package, you can understand better what your options are. And then you know, put, put some time into it. If you need to go through a private lender, um, do your research. Spend a few hours on that and make sure that you do get the best lender offering the best deal for you overall. And looking more at at, at, at more than just the interest rate, but also um, what types of fees they charge, uh, what their repayment plans are like, and what other benefits they may offer in the future, such as consolidation, um, to make sure that you're not just thinking about short-term, but 
how this is going to affect you in the long term. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been really an educational experience, uh, talking about the education, mm-hmm. funding education, right. <laughs> perhaps the best way to describe it. Um, and um, finally, what are reasons people get rejected for student loan applications? Uh, if they are um, dishonest, that can create a number of problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they have in the past defaulted on a student loans, which means um, that you quit making your payment on a student loan, uh, you may not be eligible for a, uh, a student loan guaranteed by the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with a private bank, if they're doing a credit check on you and they find that you don't have good credit and you can't get a co-signer who has good che- uh, credit, you can be denied a loan. Um, so all of those things, you know, if you're going to have to apply to a private lender for a loan, you want to make sure you have good credit. So you always need to maintain that, um, and not just for student loans, but for anything in life. Perhaps we could leave on a positive note. One final question. Mm-hmm. In general, and all of the students you've helped guide them through this process, mm-hmm. wouldn't you agree that a majority of people are getting the loans they need and, 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 and making their journey through their education process fairly fairly easily? I think so. I think <laughs> that you know, once you learn it, you, you've got it down. Got it. Well, listen, Jennifer, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Mm-hmm. How can people get a hold of you if they want to ping you with an email with some specific questions? Um, and, of course, they can check you out on, on the Life Tips por- prom- promotional pages. But feel free to throw a plug at a way to get a hold of you or buy your books or whatever you'd like to do. You know, I think you know, looking at the book uh, definitely is a great thing to do. And the best way to really get in touch with me or to, to get more information would be through that Life Tips website. Um, and they can learn more about me and about the book there. Um, and that's uh, one of the best things for them to do. Terrific. Well, thanks again for being on the show today. Until next week, everybody, I hope your life is better, smarter, faster, and a little bit wiser as a result of our discussions today. So thanks again, Jennifer, for being on the show. Thank you.